Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. I'm your host, Serena Merchant. This is I Love Basketball, and I'm joined today by Anthony Irwin to talk about our favorite subject, Dennis Schroeder. Anthony, how are you doing? Better than Schroeder. That's basically my baseline. I think that's like, you know, did I lose $73, $74 million? No. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I got to say, I would love to spectacularly fail at my career and then back into a job that paid me 5.9 million years for one year. Like that would be just <laughs> like, that would be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, listeners right now, and especially people on Twitter would be like, that's what Fred did, except it wasn't for <laughs> $5.9 million a year. <laughs> you just got off a couple zeros. So. <laughs> exactly. A lot exactly. of zeros. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, approximately 73 zeros. They like you have to <laughs> retroactively add zeros to take back. Yeah, but. I mean, tough times for Dennis Schroeder. He appears to be enjoying skateboarding on his summer vacation. Uh, who knows if Alex Saratsis will still be employed by Dennis Schroeder when this offseason is over. Um, not the best look if you're his agent. But hey, um, I do think that it's appropriate that we talk about the full arc of the Dennis Schroeder experience in Los Angeles because it is now officially over. Uh, he has signed with Boston Celtics. He apparently wants to wear John Havlicek's numbers. So you go do your thing, Dennis. Um, you know, in fairness, there are a lot of retired jerseys in Boston. So yes, yeah. so I think my retreat, my jersey is retired in Boston. <laughs> Big you fans have one? of Anthony Irwin in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what you went to take care of on your trip a couple weeks back. I did have an Uber driver who said that he listened to some of my stuff and wasn't a fan. I, w- I appreciated the honesty. Wow. It was great. It was so that's pretty so, cool. So, it was just, are you that Anthony Irwin guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I got to say, man, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I sincerely hope your wife is in the car with you. <laughs> It was it was awesome. I, I I said I appreciated it. I loved it. I wish I wish I could have taken a picture with the guy. Yeah, that's they're both wearing masks. I mean, you know, listening to your stuff, forming an opinion, that's all you can really hope for when you're in this business. I gotta tell you. <laughs> it would have been so much worse if he tried to like softball it, you know, and say like yeah. you know, anything other than what he said. It was great. I, I just loved every second of it. It was not a fan. <laughs> well, I mean. I, I got to imagine that some people who listen to the show feel somewhat related to this Boston cash writer. I'm telling so. you, my Twitter mentions are just, I haven't even checked Reddit. All right. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, one thing that, you know, you and the public seem to have differing opinions on is the arc of the Dennis Schroeder experience in Los Angeles. So I feel like we should go over it real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Dennis, of course, is acquired during the 2020 offseason. Uh, for Danny Green and a first round pick that first round pick ends up becoming Jaden McDaniels I don't really think the identity of that pick is all that important but those two fun player um, those two assets are sent to Oklahoma City in exchange for Dennis Schroeder who is on an expiring contract the Lakers seem pretty confident that they could get Schroeder to sign an extension and you know secure his long-term future in Los Angeles he makes repeated mentions of the fact that he is willing to stay with the Lakers provided he can come back on a deal that is fair um whatever that word means to him, to Rob Palinka and everybody else in his orbit is up for a great deal of discussion, clearly. But that was Dennis Schroeder's mindset coming in. I don't know about you, but when the Lakers traded for Schroeder, my understanding was that he was going to be a backup point guard. 
and that he would be coming off the bench and spearheading these non-LeBron units similar to the way that Rondo did in the Lakers championship season. You know, there's a lot of talk about Schroeder as the German Rondo. He's got like a similar personality from what I understand. Um, Mm -hmm. Similar build, very long arms, not a shooter. They shoot like the exact same way. Yeah. There's there's legitimate comparisons to be made between uh, Dennis Schroeder and Rajon Rondo. At least, I mean, most of all, I'm sure it's their fondness for one Chris Paul. But um, (laughs) then we get this uh, sort of page turn where Schroeder through a mouthpiece of the German basketball federation says that he expects to be starting for the Lakers, that he came in with the expectation that he was going to be in the starting five. And that's, that's kind of weird because, you know, he's been a backup for most of his career other than a brief time in Atlanta when they got rid of Jeff Teague so that he could be the starter, which what a time in Atlanta. I got to tell you. (laughs) Didn't go well. (laughs) well. People people were going to be shocked to find out that was not a great decision. His, His most successful season is, you know, the previous year in Oklahoma City when he's backing up Chris Paul. And a lot of his minutes were played next to another point guard, um, whether that's like Chris Paul or Shea Gildas Alexander. And like, it, it's very clear that he is not pure point guard material to me, right? Like he is a guy who needs somebody else to help him out. And why you think that guy should be your starting point guard beyond me, whatever, like I... He comes in as a starting point guard. The Lakers have a very happy start of the season. He turns down the first extension offer, which was like what two thirty four ish. Again, not not fair, I suppose. <laughs> turns yeah. down the second extension offer, which is four eighty four, and of course that is the number that is going to be seared in everyone's heads until the end of time because he goes from four eighty four to one for five point nine, and obviously the end of his season is just as cascade of errors upon errors where he says things about being vaccinated and not vaccinated and then gets COVID, but maybe doesn't get COVID. And then obviously gets confirmed to have COVID and is mm. not good in the playoffs. And suffice to say in large part because he had COVID. Yeah. Suffice to say that the, the Schroeder era in Los Angeles was like probably as good as the Ramon sessions era in Los Angeles, which was not what he was going for when he started. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's, I mean, I was surprised that this was the market for him this offseason. I was genuinely surprised that it fell so far because there is something of an anchoring effect in the NBA, right? Yeah. Like you've, if you've been good, if you were on a 470 contract, which is the one he just finished, it's not common that you just immediately fall to mid-level exception level unless you're like 34 years old, Hurt. which Dennis Schroeder is not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean... I need to bring this word out again, but do you think Dennis Schroeder's contract this year is fair considering what protection he gave for the Lakers and where he is in his career? His new one, the 5.9? Yeah, the 5 point. Uh, this actually might be kind of a hot take, but uh, I think it is. Like, I, I, I think it, you know, I think people look at the talent and I think they look at uh, the production when he was healthy and they say that's, if Boston can get that, then 5.9 is way underpaid for the guy. But these teams, like, they they have to coexist, right? Like, they, mm-hmm. the, you have to – like, one of, the, one of the things that I've said about Schroeder over the last couple of days is that, like, he, to me, really stands out as indicative or representative of the what I thought kind of plagued the Lakers this year, which was guys showing up 
and expecting certain roles, expecting certain amounts of minutes. And, uh, you know, for, for a team under Rob Palenka that has spoken loudly and often about a culture of competition to win a championship with that culture and then see that culture now diminish because they brought in more talented players who demanded certain roles. It was tough to watch, you know, and obviously we saw the result. Now, would the results be different if if Schroeder earned the starting gig or if Andre Drummond earned the, the minutes that he played? Uh, probably not. LeBron and AD got hurt. That that was the end of the season. That was it. But uh, would would the Lakers have been a better team if everybody sacrificed and bought into sacrificing to winning? Like obviously, just as obviously as as they wouldn't have been, they would have been just because like that's what great teams do. That's what you do. You have to you have to find the most talented players who are most willing to buy into this team wide concept. And so to get back to like the value of this current deal that he's on 5.9 million for a guy who if I was a Celtics fan I'd be real nervous about his interest in buying into the team-wide concept is he going to be shooting for Marcus Smart's not just like not just his starting role but the contract that that Marcus Smart just got you know or was just offered at least I don't know if he inked it uh is 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 Dennis Schroeder gonna you know is he gonna make the right play in those situations where it calls for a play that, you know, sells out for a teammate rather than doing the thing that gets accounting stat that gets you the better contract. And so, yeah, I think if you can get him at $5.9 million, I think you kind of sort of have to, but I also wouldn't go flying off into space screaming about how thrilled I am to have Dennis Schroeder on my team at any price. Yeah, it's tricky because, you know, if we, we had this conversation back in February when it was coming up time for the Lakers to be able to offer him that max extension at 484. And there was some reasonable disagreement over whether he would be worth it or not, or whether the Lakers were just sort of stuck in that position because he was the only point guard they had. It was the only way they could, you know, recoup the asset of surrendering that first round pick. And like he had just come off the stretch where, I'm sure you remember that game they played against Denver. I think it was a Thursday where the Lakers are down big at halftime and then make this big comeback. And And one of the, one of the plays that sticks out to me from that game is Schroeder, like diving twice in the backcourt to try to save a ball. And like Frank runs out on the court and picks him up and he's so proud of him. And it's like, yeah, that's the type of effort and hustle and like dedication you're expecting from your starting point guard and just anyone on the Lakers. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is the guy that, Rob Palinka tried to get on the Lakers and it was just steady downhill from that point on, other than that brief, um, that brief period when he came back from his first stint in the health and safety protocols. And it was like just such a breath of fresh air to get a guy who could dribble back onto the Lakers. Like, remember that? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then LeBron, no, there were definitely was, stretches yeah. that he was good. Yeah. Like he was, yeah. there, there were stretches where I was, I, and, and like I said, in, in um, yesterday's lowdown, I, I, there are things that he brought to, I love the way he competes. Um, he's a fiery competitor, sometimes too fiery. I think he gets kind of t- caught up in some of the one-on-one kind of machismo stuff a little too often for my liking, but there are things about Dennis Schroeder that are to be liked as a basketball player. It's just, it's just tough because they also come with the stuff that legitimately hurts teams like guys who do not understand that they are not a superstar and demand to be treated like a superstar 
there are very few things that uh, can derail a, a team-wide concept. And the Lakers had a couple of those last year, so that was <laughs> yeah. a problem. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I just want to go back to the beginning of the Schroeder thing because Lord knows we talked about this money, but I do think it's worth repeating that because the Lakers lost Schroeder for nothing, it, to me, is impossible to look back at that trade as anything but a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I was, I would say, fairly alone among yeah. Laker fans in saying that You're I did not so like You're being so nice trade. right now, Sabrina. <laughs> you should, like, freaking pump your chest. You got to be like, I told you guys back then. You could say it to me because I was, I was pro Schroeder trade. Just say it loudly. Say it proudly. I had it right. Damn it. I had this right. <laughs> I can go back to my Slack messages with Harrison. We found out this was going down, that it was going to be Danny Green and a pick for Dennis yeah. Schroeder. Because let's be clear, Danny Green in and of himself should have been enough to get Dennis Schroeder because yeah. the Thunder immediately turned Danny Green into another pick. <laughs> so it's not <laughs> like he was a distressed asset by any means. This right. is a guy who started for a team that won, that had the best record in the Eastern Conference last year. Had he not gotten hurt, they're not losing to Atlanta. I'm telling you that right here. Of course, there is always the risk with a guy who is of that age that his hip is going to start acting up because mm-hmm. that's what happens at that age. But I just think it was poor evaluation at the time to trade two of the best thing the Lakers had going for them, right? Because 2020 offseason, we kept talking about what can the Lakers get for Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, and the first round pick. Mm-hmm. And they traded two of those things to get Dennis Schroeder, who at best is a backup point guard. So it's yeah. poor valuation of what they needed, how much they needed to trade to get it. I feel like we have this conversation about the Lakers a lot that they end up making the right trade, but just don't negotiate well enough to get what they should have. Right. We talked about mm-hmm. this with Anthony Davis, talked about this with Westbrook. Um, they overpay to get a guy who was just not that good. And then they get, presumably they thought, Oh, he's going to extend with us. Like why would he turn down 44? He doesn't extend with the Lakers. They get stuck with, Nothing to show for this now, right? Like Danny Green's contract is gone. That first round pick is gone. Dennis Schroeder is gone. And what the Lakers had to sign Malik Monk on the minimum or something. Like it's not. And got lucky. It's not good business, right? Yeah. Yeah. Malik Malik Monk becoming available the way that he did. Like the Lakers got. They they got pretty freaking lucky that that Charlotte just decided randomly after this guy's breakout year. Nah, we don't want him back. You know? Yeah, that's not something that Rob Polinka could have planned for. That's not something that any team this year headed into this year and said like, oh, yeah, we'll totally be able to get Malik Monk for the minimum. Yeah. And yeah. and frankly, like Charlotte screwed over Monk by, uh, you know, renouncing his rights as as late as they did in the process. Like he didn't have very many options. And then, you know, Kendrick Nunn is is another pickup that like, yeah, like you can you can technically say that he signed quote unquote below market, and there he did come out and say that he had bigger offers or whatever to go play somewhere else. But again, I don't I don't really know how much more he would have gotten. Maybe he gets the full uh, taxpayer mid level exception instead of the five million he got. He could have gotten five point nine somewhere else. And and yeah, like with with um, with Schroeder, like the way I kind of look at it is. And this is what we've kind of seen become a bit of a trend here with Palenka. And 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 by the way, like when we talk about Palenka, you ha- you're including LeBron, you're including Anthony Davis in the decision making process here. Because like the way that I kind of look at it based on the things that I know and the things that I've heard is basically 
the guy is LeBron James and Anthony Davis's Lakers agent. You know, he, he, they kind of say what they want. The guys, the, the type of players that they want and Palenka goes out and gets them, you know? And I think by the way, it helps in hamstrings uh, Polinka to, to work in a situation like that. Obviously it helps to have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, not just from a, a skill level at the top of your roster perspective, but also because of the type of players that you can actually go out and talk to and say, LeBron and Anthony Davis wants you, right? That makes your job a little bit easier, but it might also make it a little bit more difficult because LeBron James and Anthony Davis are just as capable of as anybody of making a mistake and, and evaluating, evaluating talent. And I think, with Danny Green last year, uh, he's not somebody who goes out and gets his own shot. He's not somebody who uh, makes the game easier on LeBron in that regard, but he does make it easier by being one of the best shooters in the history of the sport. And then in the case of Alex Caruso, like Caruso doesn't go out and get his own shot. He doesn't create uh, in a way that makes it easier for LeBron James to be the, faci- the, the main facilitator on the team. But he is one of the better defenders in, in basketball and somebody who clearly works really well with LeBron. And I think in both of those cases, I think the Lakers have a very narrow definition for how they view talent in basketball and and overlook some of the things that you need to be successful. Like right now we're seeing with Isaiah Thomas, right? I, Isaiah Thomas is, is – uh, the Lakers are reportedly interested in Isaiah Thomas. Why? Like he just scored 81 points in a pro-am. Congrats, bud. Should we you sign Jamal against- Crawford too? <laughs> right. Right. Like we could we could go out and get Joe Johnson. Yeah, anybody, anybody want Joe Johnson? He's crushing He's the big three, crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. So like I I don't know. I just I look at I look at the way that um LeBron AD and, and Polenka, you know, the way that they evaluate talent. And I just there are some parts of it that I disagree with. Maybe they're right. I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. They're right. Like we don't. We there. There's no way to know quite yet. But I think in the case of Dennis Schroeder, they saw somebody who is a very gifted basketball player, and uh, they they oh they valued that and thought that they could replace Danny Green with Wesley Matthews, which is a giant mistake in and of itself. Um, and 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 here they are. They 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 lose out on Danny Green and they lose out on that pick and they don't get anything in return for Dennis Schroeder and, and for a team that is strapped for assets as they are, that hurts. Yeah. And to me, like, I I think it's perfectly reasonable to disagree with talent evaluation, right? Like if they thought Dennis Schroeder was better than I did, like, that's fine. It's just, you have to see how the rest of the league views him and make deals that are like commensurate with the value that they have on the market, not just to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where I disagree. Like, I think it's perfectly fine to say we'd rather have Dennis Schroeder than Danny Green on this year's team. Like that's totally acceptable. I just don't think that you need to include a first round pick to make that happen. Right. And then mm-hmm. you get to the point where you're trading for Russell Westbrook before Schroeder's fate is even decided. So it basically makes it impossible to recruit anything out of Schroeder at that point, because one, you said we don't trust him as our starting point guard anymore because we've gotten some guy to replace him. And like, what are you supposed to do when you're trying to leverage a sign and trade? Like no team is going to help you out because they're like, well, you just, you know, traded over Dennis Schroeder on your own lineup. Why would you help? Why would we help you get rid of him? Right. Like it's, it's just poor asset management. I keep coming back to that Absolutely. phrase, but like, yeah. it's, that's, what's frustrating to me about it because again, I I'm repeating myself, but there are going to be disagreements regarding which players we think are better fits talent wise, or, you know, who plays better next to LeBron. And like, I'm perfectly willing to admit that, like, I 
I don't understand that stuff as well as they do, you know, in terms of a basketball perspective. But I do think it's fair to say that the Lakers don't make their lives any easier by just letting these, you know, cap space and first round picks and everything go willy nilly when they could be better negotiators. Like that's, that's what upset me about the Alex Caruso thing. That's what upsets me about this Danny Green thing. And yeah, the Lakers rebounded very well to get a bunch of minimum guys and Kendrick Nunn. And like, those are the advantages that the Lakers are always going to have. They could have done those things and the other things better. Well, also like how many times are we, are we going to keep saying like, man, Palinka did a really good job of rebounding and regaining his traction after like the first whatever, you know, with Kawhi, right? Mm-hmm. It was bad intel that, you know, it's it's funny to hear Lakers fans say, well, Kawhi was never going to be a Laker. Well, then why did the Lakers? I pursue- for sure thought he was going to be a Laker. <laughs> Dude, the, I had people within the Lakers organization telling me as of that day, yeah, we think he's coming. We, 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 we totally, we think we have this in the bag and, you know, it winds up being a bad Intel kind of a situation. And um, I think here with, with the Kyle Lowry thing, for example, too, where uh, I think the Lakers thought that Masai Ujiri would blink and he didn't, you know, it was, it was Rob Palenka and Masai Ujiri in a, in a staring contest. And it came down to, yeah, I, we want to, uh, we want THT in the trade. Palinka didn't want to include THT in the trade. And I think Palinka eventually thought, well, eventually Masai will maybe sway on that opinion. He didn't. And he got Goran Dragic out of the situation, you know, by, by, by holding on to uh, Kyle Lowry. And it's like, like, yes, Rob Palinka has, has been there when, LeBron James showed up in the first place. LeBron didn't credit Rob Polinko when he showed up, though. He said he wanted to come and work with Magic Johnson. And yes, Rob Polinka did steer uh, the Lakers through the post-Magic Johnson fiasco when Magic is out there on ESPN just absolutely shitting on the Lakers and Rob Polinka yeah. every chance that he got. And, and, and Rob and the Lakers, uh, you know, they deserve credit for getting through that and, and, and coming out okay on the other end. Rob Polinka was there for the Anthony Davis trade, but like, is Anthony Davis forcing his way to go play in on a Rob Polinka team or is he forcing his way there to play with LeBron James? But to be fair, they couldn't get that deal done at the trade deadline when magic was in charge. Right. 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 But the deal that they, the the deal that they made was the exact same deal. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't like, it wasn't like they gained any advantage by waiting that out. Right. Like the, and, and now look, uh, the fact that David Griffin was able to sit down and actually talk to Rob Polinka. That was something that, oh man, Adele Demps was not capable of doing with Magic Johnson. It was like by the time that those negotiations had ended, those two guys did not want to be on the same phone line in the same room, any of those things. So, so to to that extent, like Rob Polinka does deserve a little bit of credit there, you know, for for doing that. I still think he overpaid because nobody else was bidding on that situation, but whatever. And 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 yes. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Rob Polinka, the Lakers organization, they go out and win a championship and he deserves credit for being there. And, and, and like we just talked about, like rebounding from waiting out Kawhi Leonard and, and, and doing the homework ahead of time to where like he could, he told Danny green, like, Hey, we'll, we'll slightly overpay you. If it means you wait for us 
if we don't get Danny Green or if we don't get Kawhi Leonard. That was a really good piece of negotiation there. Yeah. I think it, I think the way he handled that that offseason after the Lakers didn't get Kawhi Leonard, I think was was fantastic. You know, he had he had a plan A in place and then he had a plan B in place and he executed that plan B as soon as they had to. It's just that like you're the Lakers, right? Like there's literally a Lex, Lakers exceptionalism podcast out there. Like we the Lakers the Lakers pride themselves on on being uh able to pull things off and holding themselves to a higher standard than everybody else out there. And while everybody else out there usually doesn't hit on any of their plan A's, the Lakers are supposed to, like they were supposed to get Kawhi Leonard this off season. It was uh, Chris Paul that they were supposed to be able to convince to take less and, and go play there on a sign and trade. It was like, you know, and, and to a certain extent, maybe they're shooting too high. You shoot for the stars and you land on the moon. That's fine. But uh, and and yeah, like Russell Westbrook is is a a, a good Plan C, I would say. Uh, but there's a reason he's a Plan C, you know. And and so I think uh, with with the Rob Palenka era, I don't think we get to keep crediting him for 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 landing on his feet after failing in the first place. I mean, another one to add to that list is I think they obviously did a very good job of hiring Frank Vogel but they were yeah. only in that position because the Ty Lue thing didn't go well. And then Monty right. Williams chose yeah. to go to Phoenix. Right. <laughs> and I think we've proven that, you know, neither of those coaches has won a championship in their new situation, but they've both done very well for themselves in their new right. situations. So mm-hmm. another thing that Rob rebounded very well to get Frank Vogel, but why did he have to rebound in the first place? Um, they made but- Ty Lue a cake. They gave him a birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a post about it. <laughs> Yeah, look like a good cake. Um, but yeah, uh, all of that is to say that Dennis Schroeder is no longer a Los Angeles Laker. Thank goodness for that. Um, the the absence of Dennis Schroeder appears to have convinced the Lakers brass that they need more backcourt punch, according to the words of one Mark Stein. Uh, safe to say that you and I agree that that should not be Isaiah Thomas because the Lakers have gone very far in on offense during this free agency period. Um, Alex Regler wrote a very nice piece about that for silver screen roll. You should check it out, mm-hmm. but doubling down further with Isaiah Thomas, who is charitably five foot seven has had hip issues. Yeah. Um, does was not a bad play defender even in one his lick of defense. One yeah. lick, like the Boston Celtics, the year that Isaiah Thomas made all NBA were much better on the court. Like when he was off the court, than when he was on the court, even when he made all NBA, the only game they took from the Cavaliers in the conference finals that year was when Isaiah Thomas was not playing. So that that's his best season of Mm -hmm. playing. And even in that season, his team was better off without him. So I I would not want Isaiah Thomas. I don't understand how the former Laker allure really works for Isaiah Thomas because he was so bad when he was with the Lakers. Um, we, We only traded for him so that, you know, clear up a space for a second star when LeBron came that summer. <laughs> for yeah. some reason, the Cavaliers helped out in that effort. Uh, <laughs> that was just a sucky end to what had actually been a really fun season because, you know, we lost Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson in that deal too. And um, mm-hmm. while it was nice to see them play in the playoffs, it was just a bummer to see them go away. And that, that season just sort of fall apart with like, I think Channing Fry got like mono or something or like couldn't even play for us when he came to the Lakers, but it was, 
Yeah. I, I don't have positive associations of the Isaiah Thomas era in Los Angeles. I'm not sure if you do. Obviously there's that one great image of him seeing Jokic and like eyes lighting up and going yeah. to the basket. And apparently that was enough for Denver to sign him to a small contract the next year. But I, I don't think we need to be in the Isaiah Thomas business. I think it's safe to say that Wes Matthews is not on the Lakers list anymore either, because yeah, if that were going to happen, it would have already happened. Don't you think? So I've gone back and forth on this um, once or twice. And initially I thought, yeah, like Wesley Matthews was just going to happen. Like this was no big deal or whatever. And then they gave Wesley Matthews number to Kent Bazemore, <laughs> which, I, which I found um, an odd, an odd decision to make for a current free agent. Uh, so I thought that was um, slightly telling. And then uh, with, with, I think right now there are a couple free agents out there who, if the Lakers get them at a veterans minimum kind of contract, that would be a stellar value, right? Like Paul Millsap comes to mind um, as somebody who, if the Lakers somehow get him for the, for the vet men, like that's a phenomenal signing. So I think they're keeping their options open and they're seeing they're letting those players kind of realize, all right, the market has completely dried up. Let's just see if we can go one year on a, on a really good Lakers team or something like that. Um, and then, and then in, in for Wesley specifically, I don't know. Like I thought I, I always kind of look back on, uh, the Wesley Matthews postseason kind of exit interview. And he says that he wants to come back. He wants to run it back. And LeBron was kind of like, eh, we'll see, <laughs> you know, like Wesley Matthews, I think like, uh, Andre Drummond, there were a few other Lakers who were out there saying like, yes, we, we, Mark Keith we, too. Yeah. Like we really feel like we have, a, we, we, we were, uh, kind of dealt a tough hand and we couldn't get through the injuries and we want to see what it looks like if we're all healthy. And, and, you know, that same kind of hypothetical was presented to LeBron and, and he, and, and look, LeBron chooses his words were the ones he uses and the ones he doesn't. What, as well, if not better than anybody in the history of basketball or professional sports. And he, even he was like, well, we'll see. We'll see, you know. And I think they've passed the we'll see moment with, with, with Wesley Matthews and are wishing him all the best. You know, Wesley Matthews wore number 23 before he got to the Lakers. So maybe he's just taking that number back since LeBron's not going to wear it. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Although, like, I don't think it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think another Laker or another player is allowed to wear a 23. It's not retired on, yet on LeBron James teams. Cause like, I'm, I don't I'm think when he it. was in Miami, I don't think anybody was wearing number 23. Well, they, they in... couldn't there because Miami had a retired oh, Michael yeah, Jordan's right. number. <laughs> Maybe that's why he went to Miami. Nobody can wear number 23. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the Paul Millsap idea. Um, I've seen Garrison Matthews name thrown out once or twice. Mm -hmm. Between you and I, he does not seem like a LeBron type. Uh, so it's yeah. hard to say that the Lakers would bring him around. Um, Bonga was just signed by the Raptors today. So that's off the table. Uh, Justice Winslow was signed by the Clippers. Another guy who I had an eye on. A lot mm -hmm. of hip injury guys. Um, yeah. Not exactly what you want. But right. Well, I mean, this is that that stretch of the offseason. I also think like the, the elephant in the room here that we need to, uh, you know, always keep in mind is is it cheaper for the Lakers to bring in some of the guys from their summer league team? Is mm -hmm. it cheaper for them to have undrafted rookies at the end of their, at the end of their bench? If they think that they're done, uh, the tax hit is probably about like, you know, three, 4 million bucks. That mm -hmm. uh, is the difference between signing 
a veteran like Matthews, Millsap, even Isaiah Thomas compared to what it costs to bring in the guys that we see, you know, Austin Reeves or uh, Joel Ajayi or Ajayi or whatever. And, and so uh, that's like my, I've reached the, I've, I've, I'm already emotionally preparing myself for, for that to be their move. I'm already ready for it. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't even, I should phrase this better. Um, I think it would be a solid basketball decision actually to bring in some young guys at the end of the bench, oh, you- just because the Lakers are so old. Like, I mean, at some point we're just gonna have to do like, how old are they jokes on the podcast? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like there, there are what three players on the Lakers who are younger than I am. And for all of you who don't know how old I am, you can just do the math when you look at their roster. But I, I think it probably wouldn't be such a bad idea to just have some players who, who've got legs, you know, and uh, the South Bay Lakers don't have a coach yet. I don't, I don't know what the development situation is going on there, but I do think that it's just better for them to be on the big club and like learn from them. So I, I don't think it'd be such a bad idea. Like we're, we're out so many first round picks, like let Austin Reeves get a shot on the big team, you know, like see what he could look like playing against playing next to players who can actually amplify his skill sets. And there's already so much competition, like in those backcourt minutes. And I don't really see anybody the Lakers could sign who would make a dent in the rotation at this point. So why not give the younger guys a shot is sort of the way I see it. Um, and obviously the tax, it helps a little bit there, but I'm going to give the Lakers a little bit of credit on this one. Like if they were to fill out their final roster spots with summer league guys, I think there is a justification beyond just finances. Yeah. I think it's, it can always be both. I think mm-hmm. if it's, if it's Millsap that the Lakers pass, like if Millsap gets a, a veterans minimum contract somewhere, yeah. I'd be a little annoyed. Uh, because I do think he could help, you know, and just you think kind of he could play, play the, next to LeBron and AD. Not both of them. Okay. Uh, I think he could play next to them like at different times. Like I think LeBron can be your four and Millsap can be your five. And I think mm-hmm. AD can be your five and Millsap can be your four or vice versa. Actually, yeah. no, like I think if, if, if LeBron is also out there, then you could put just about anybody at the quote unquote four spot or the quote unquote three spot and be okay. That's why I actually like the Carmelo Anthony signing is because if you are going to have Carmelo Anthony on a basketball court in 2021 in the NBA, the absolute best case scenario is with LeBron and AD on each side of them. So that's fine. And then, you know, for, for those young guys, I don't know. I, if they were going to do that, just buy like a second rounder and have a better choice of players that you might have access to and, and bring in youth that way. Uh, Cause it's not like you pay taxes on the amount that it costs to buy a late second rounder. Right, so right. Um, I wonder if they just found these guys by like telling them, Hey, we'll sign you if you don't go drafted, you know, cause oh, there's sure. a lot of that maneuvering in the second round anyway. Yeah. I think, I think I saw somewhere that that was the case with the Yai okay. that, that I believe that uh, he was, he and his camp were kind of telling teams not to, I, I might've misread it or, or, or it might be a different player, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there was a situation like that with the Yai Cause he's a very good, like he was a top 60 prospect that didn't get drafted in the top 60. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I, I think that the team is fine now. Uh, I think it's a fascinating team. It's a good team. I think um, it's a team that doesn't need Isaiah Thomas though. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 it, it, I, you know, I just don't, I just don't see what he brings that Kendrick Nung and, and Malik Monk don't already bring to the table. And then when you bring in somebody like Isaiah Thomas, unless he says like, in the intro presser, 
yeah, I am here. Break glass and in case of emergency, I don't even need to play. Then fine, okay, I'm more okay with it. Uh, but we just saw that clip of him like crying after scoring 82 or 81 in that in that uh, pro am because teams aren't recognizing the talent. And it's like if you had included any defensive highlights in that clip, <laughs> I would buy it. <laughs> I would be more on board on the Isaiah Thomas train. Like yeah, even one, like just yeah. like deflect a pass and put that <laughs> put that on there. Grab a rebound. Not even in traffic. Free throw rebound <laughs> that bounces right to you. I'm, and I'm I'm back on the Isaiah Thomas trade, maybe. Yeah, the Lakers are going to make Frank Vogel work to earn that <laughs> defensive rating next year. They're they're going to make him work. Um, there they has gave him there's the never been like, this comes with Isaiah Thomas. There's never been a good defense that included Isaiah Thomas. It's just just a a great sentence to clip out of context, you know. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't really see the need for Isaiah Thomas. I, like like you said, I like where the Lakers are at. Um, even if I don't entirely approve of how they got there, uh, if the thought of a Russell Westbrook Isaiah Thomas backcourt like makes you want to heave, like it's that depressing. To me. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully the Lakers avoid that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know it's it's hard not to be happy with where the Lakers are now because I think they did a really good job. Like you said, rebounding. I just wish that for once they would just get the first thing, right? Like, and I, yeah. I keep thinking back to this Kyle Lowry thing and like how this was the deal where Frank or Rob Polinka in the front office decided this was the one where we're going to hold off and not give you everything in our war chest, but n- none of the right. other deals. <laughs> this right. was the one. Right. deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, again, you add a factor in the LeBron factor into this and, I think he wants a, a a young clutch guy on on the Lakers uh, to grow and continue to get paid. I just can't wait for like the games where they bring back retro jerseys and guys that are on the Lakers played against those retro jerseys. That's the one I can't wait. <laughs> or for. wore those retro jerseys. Right, or wore the <laughs> wore the retro jerseys in question. That's the one I can't wait for. It is it is mind boggling to me that like. The Lakers brought back Dwight, Mello, and Ariza, all of whom factored prominently in the 2009 championship <laughs> run. Yeah. I, I don't know that we can effectively communicate how long ago 2009 was. It's yeah, I mean, last month was a long seasons. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Somebody was saying like, oh man, I loved Ariza as a Laker. I was like, look up when he was last a Laker. Yeah. Just see, just... <laughs> Because it seems like we've been linked to getting him back for so long that you forget just how long it's been, right? Um, there was there was a moment where we thought we're going to trade KCP for Ariza, you know, back in 2018, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So it it feels like maybe it hasn't been that long, but it has been so long. (laughs) It's been 87 years. So old. It's so old. Uh, I just (laughs) hope that. Ariza makes fun of Mello for those inbound passes in that Denver series. Yes. <laughs> and that Ariza makes fun of Dwight for missing those free throws at the end of game four. You need to bring Courtney Lee back so that Ariza can. <laughs> That's who we should bring Courtney. in the 14th roster. Yeah, so that Ariza can laugh at him for missing that layup. Give me some Richard Lewis, you know? Uh, gosh. Jameer Nelson. Good like time. they should Ray for they, Austin they, if we're going for yeah. some, you know, pro am highlights. <laughs> They should bring uh, Stan Van Gundy in so that they can laugh at Stan Van Gundy for playing uh, Jameer Nelson, who hadn't played all year, over Ray for Alston. And 
And Jimmy Nelson winds up costing them because he was backpedaling when Derek Fisher hits that three-pointer. Oh, goodness. One yeah. of these days, maybe, you know, deeper offseason, we'll just uh, reminisce about the, the glory Roast. of the 2009 championship run. Roast those Orlando Magic teams. I, I don't yeah. think we're, I don't think we're doing a good job of showing how long ago it was because you and I have like picture perfect memories of this run. <laughs> Well, Lakers Twitter and, and people on Twitter have been telling me all day that I don't even like the Lakers. So it's kind of fascinating that I have recollections of this stuff. And then, you know, the nice thing, if we do bring in more members of that magic team is we know they're willing to, to take steroids. Okay. So if, if, <laughs> if you're hoping to extend, get a little juice at the, at the end of their careers, they're going to be open to that stuff. And on that note, thank you so much for listening. This has been I Love Basketball. That was Anthony Irwin. I was Sabrina Merchant. Make sure you are subscribed to listen to the Silverstone Roll podcast every day of the week, wherever you want to listen to your podcasts. And we will be back later.